One of my favorite verses that I feel really applies to our life a lot lately comes from Proverbs 16, which says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so we, we make plans, but ultimately God is directing our steps and leading us along. And that's, that's exactly how it's been for us over the last 15 years of vocational ministry. Truth doesn't change, but our understanding of truth or how we respond to that truth becomes more dynamic uh, as we grow in our understanding of God and, and his gospel. And Gretchen and I, Gretchen is here. Say hi, Gretchen. Hi. Yeah, Gretchen's here with me. Gretchen and I, we're, we are excited about the direction that the Lord is leading us in right now in our ministry. And uh, even though we, we originally planned our way a little differently, maybe a lot differently, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Lord has continued to establish our steps all along the way and mm-hmm. brought us to this point. And it's just, it's just amazing to see how he has worked through our life and circumstances to bring us here. We recently accepted a position, uh, a position known as member care coordinators with a mission organization based in Northern California. Uh, Global Fellowship is a gospel-centered ministry committed to planting churches in unreached areas of the world, specifically those regions that are less than 2% Christian. And so as member care coordinators, our ministry is focused on caring for the missionaries as individuals and helping them go to the field prepared and remain effective while they're serving in some of the most difficult regions of the world. And uh, for us, this isn't really an extreme ministry change, uh, but it might be confusing to some people. Um, So we want to explain a little bit about what led us to this point, how how the Lord brought us here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our passion is still to get the gospel to the world, specifically to those who've never heard. Uh, That's Global Fellowship's heartbeat as well. So for us, what happened was over... Over the last 15 years, as we planted churches, and that was our primary ministry focus, we began to realize that the Lord has designed us to most effectively contribute to the Great Commission by investing in others who are gifted in areas that maybe we're not, or at least more gifted and seeing more fruit in those areas. And so by investing in them and helping them, We've, we've seen the Lord do a whole lot more than when we were trying to do all the work by ourselves. As I said before, the truth doesn't change. Right? There is, there's only one unchanging gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and for us, that hasn't changed. Our doctrine, who God is, how he has chosen to save us, save mankind, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, that Jesus is God, that he was born of a virgin, uh, that he lived a perfect sinless life, and that he he died on the cross for our sins, and, and the Father raised him from the grave. These, these are essential foundational truths of what the gospel is. We, we believe that. Since we've become followers of Christ, we have believed that from that right. moment. But as we 
do ministry and as we preach the gospel and as we've been in other areas of the world, specifically as missionaries and, and working and planning churches in unreached regions, we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. One of those is how, how do we define or measure success? Right. What is success? What does it look like to be successful in the ministry? Why do we do what we do? What determines our joy as we're serving God or serving Christ? And if you look at a lot of people, it's almost as though we have to expect to be unhappy and have no joy in ministry. If we're really serving God, that's going to be seen because we're miserable, you know? And that's kind of the mark of a true faithful believer and a true faithful servant. If you're out there and you're just hating your life, then you must be doing something right. Well, especially if you don't have a lot of fruit. So if you're not seeing big booming ministries then you should be miserable because you better be working hard so <laughs> right must e- be exactly and, and working in uh, a challenging region of the world we worked in several different areas that would be considered creative access countries mm-hmm. places that it isn't necessarily legal, legal. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to plant churches uh, to evangelize <laughs> and it Definitely was not culturally acceptable to be doing that kind of thing. And there were, there was a lot of feedback. We worked in a lot of anti-Christian environments. Right. And we, we saw the Lord work. We really did. We saw people come to Christ. We, mm-hmm. we saw uh, churches start. We, we saw lives changed. And, and that was exciting. Mm-hmm. But it was few and far between. And we have to be honest about that. Like, right. It wasn't like... Hey, every day or every week or even every month or even right. every year. Right. And <laughs> then like, something like that. You see one success in quotes, but then you would it would like be like one step forward, two steps back. And yeah. so any little success that you would even see, there was always like two steps backwards coming after that. So it was it could be very discouraging. Yeah. And it's exactly how the Lord worked in both of our lives. And he did, I think, around the same time, mm-hmm. but in, in different ways. The watershed moment for me was a little different than the watershed moment for you, but the Lord revealed the same truth about the gospel to both of us and what it means not only to be saved by the gospel, but to live by the gospel. And that, for me, was revolutionary. It started for me, my watershed moment began when I was working with a young man who came from a, a Muslim background. He professed Christ. He was baptized. And he he pursued discipleship, but he had he had sort of this mental block. He held on tightly to his old religious traditions and he was constantly trying to bring in legalistic concepts from from Islam. Mm-hmm. And apply them to Christianity. And and it, it just doesn't fit. It's like water and oil. And I decided that we would we would study the book of Galatians together because that's what the book was about. It was about a group of people who were Gentiles, who accepted the gospel, heard the truth about Jesus Christ, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. They believed on him when Paul preached it. And as Paul moved on and, and continued planting churches in other areas, there were what we call Judaizers, these these Jewish people from Jerusalem who claimed to be Christians, came into the region of Galatia, mm-hmm. and in these churches basically said, yeah, 
believe on Jesus. That's, that's great. This is good that you've done that. Um, yeah, Jesus, the Messiah. Yeah, what you say about him and, and what Paul is preaching, that's good. But it isn't enough. Mm. Now that you believe on Jesus, you have to understand this is a, that Christianity is a religion that came out of Judaism. And the only way to really truly be made perfect or be truly sanctified or be made acceptable before God is if you go back and obey all of the commandments of God in, in the Old Testament and specifically keep all of the the rules and the rituals, the ceremonial and all of the the purification. Basically, they said you, you have to become Jewish in order for God to accept you. And when Paul writes Galatians, he's furious with them because they're, they're believing in something that is not the gospel. It's an anti-gospel. And what is happening is that they believe on Christ by faith, that they're accepted eternally by God in Christ, but in order to be continually accepted by God, they have to work for that. And so this is what we call legalism, where they bring in the law, and by the law, we are now justified in the eyes of God and justified in the eyes of man. And so I wanted to teach this to the to, to this new believer, to my friend, what it meant to live by the gospel. And that's when the Lord opened my eyes to it, how I had been living hypocritically. I got to Galatians 3.3, 3, where it says, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And then it hit me. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about the Christian life. He's mm-hmm. saying, how ridiculous is this that you believe that you're saved by grace through faith and that you cannot merit the love of God and that you have to come to him broken in your sin and recognize you don't deserve his love, but by by his grace and mercy, you accept his gift and you are accepted in Jesus and, and he gives you that joy and satisfaction. He makes you a child of God and he's the one who is working inside of you how does it make sense that now that you're saved, that you go backwards, right. that you're now trying to work for him to accept you? You weren't, right. you didn't work for him to accept you into the family. Why would you have to work to be liked by God more now right. than before? Here's this gift of salvation, but now you need to work for my favor. Right. And, and Paul calls out how illogical that is. Right. That's, that's foolishness. He calls them fools. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. And so for me, that's that was sort of the moment where I realized, now, wait a second, this is more than just preaching the gospel to unsaved people. This is preaching the gospel to saved people. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the gospel has more significance than, hey, now I'm not going to hell. Fantastic. Right. And it's not this, hey, I, I have this license to live life however I want to live life. The gospel is that you have been changed. You're a new creature and you have new desires. The spirit of God lives in you and he's the one who produces that desire to to serve him, the will and the do of his good pleasure. And that isn't something that we have to conjure up and have to work mm-hmm. really hard at doing. And, and I couldn't quite articulate it, but this was when I started going down this path realizing the gospel is a way of life for us. This yeah. is... Every day for a Christian, we're not getting saved again every day and being born again every day, but it's this is every day that we yep. recognize we're accepted by God. And because I'm accepted by him, 
He fulfills me and gives me significance. And he's the one who's going to produce the fruit in my life. And it, it took a little while before I was able to really even articulate that. And, and that came along a little later in the story. But I'm going to ask you, Gretchen, if you want to share a little bit about how the Lord brought you to this point. Yeah, I was thinking about it. And I think I actually have to go back. I think when we first arrived, it was kind of a quick move there. And we got to know some of the other foreigners. And they were workers from different backgrounds. Um, And so they were just, it's just kind of accepted us and welcomed us into the community just as friends. Um, And so I remember just spending time with those ladies and just really impressed by how they loved each other and how they cared for me, even though they didn't even know me. Remember, we were about to have a baby and they made meals for us. And I mean, it was just really surprising. I was kind of overwhelmed and surprised by that. But as I got to know them, I remember just, I think the Lord started to open my eyes. So it was this gradual thing. I started listening to podcasts and that's just what I would do as I work around the house. And I just was hearing more and more about what the gospel is and how to live in light of the gospel and how, you know, how do we apply that to our everyday life? As a mom who's constantly failing, who's messing up, you know, in front of my kids, but using those moments to point them to the gospel and to, I think, recognize my own forgiveness. And so it gave me this new identity of who I am in Christ, really now, not just, you know, I'm saved and now I've got to earn it, like whatever it is, earn those crowns or something. But um, so, you know, just perform. And it's just this performance-based man-centered gospel that I was preaching to myself and condemning myself. I lived in like self-condemnation and I allowed those thoughts to be, I, I allowed myself to feel defeated by those because of what I was seeing as my identity. My identity was that I needed to work harder and just be more awesome. And I was not. And so I was constantly coming into, I think, you know, crashing into that fact of I am not more awesome. So (laughs) I really just needed Jesus. And I think that constant reminder, my sin, was reminding me of my need for the gospel. But then just through the word and hearing the word and hearing the gospel, gradually, I felt like the Lord just was really opening my eyes to the fact that the gospel is, is not just got me saved. And now I need to tell people the gospel, aka Romans Road, but that we live in light of that. And and that is who we are. We are forgiven. And we then accept that forgiveness. And I think when I would, you know, mess up as a mom and apologize, I wouldn't wallow in that like I used to, because I had a clearer understanding. I felt like the Lord was ministering to my heart through that time. And it took a lot of just difficult things and hard days and lots of loss that our family went through and all of those things. I think the Lord just used each and every thing in my life just to point me to himself. And I think just seeing who I am in Christ and how much he loves me and cares for me and just the little ways that he shows that. And so I think through his word, constantly encouraging me and showing me who he is. And so I think understanding who God is and who I am in light of that has just really opened my eyes and allowed me to see, I guess, just what that means as like someone who's working in this difficult place who maybe isn't seeing the results we had hoped or 
you know, thought that we should, um, and just that questions, like those questions we live with, with like, Lord, why aren't you allowing more? Maybe we're just not cut out for this. Maybe, um, we're just not good enough. And we really had to, I think maybe coming to the bottom of ourselves was a necessary part of that. Like, we are not good enough. <laughs> we never will be. And if we were, there'd be a problem because we wouldn't need Christ and it's his ministry. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a real struggle. Uh, not a lot of missionaries like to talk about it. It doesn't really make a good prayer letter no. um, to write back and say, well, nobody seems to be listening. Everything I do seems to be failing. Uh, when I ask for advice, uh, the people that I thought would help me only respond with, well, I don't know what to tell you. I wouldn't work there. And so that could be really discouraging. You think, well, I got to figure out something. And then when you're working in your own power, mm-hmm. burnout is the only result. Yep. And and that it's hard to really be honest about that when you're working on the field and and the Lord was working in my heart and in Gretchen's heart independently, but on the same issue on what really gives us value. Right. What, what really is success, I guess, in ministry or in our life uh, as Christians? And what gives this value, what we're doing here? It was obvious the Lord had us where we were, but we kept thinking, why Why did he bring us here if, if he's not going to bring a lot of fruit or bring at least some fruit for us to be able to see that he's working. It just constantly felt like, well, he's not working. So there must be something wrong with me. And what the Lord was revealing to both of us is that it was very me centered. Mm-hmm. It's not that these things aren't happening because there's something I'm doing wrong instead of being Christ centered. Well, and I think that, you, you know, your hope is in this ministry and the success of this ministry. And that is what your you know, everything is riding on that. And then I remember just looking at my dad in his situation. He was bedridden, couldn't, I mean, for the past, I would say almost 20 years before he passed away. And looking at my dad, I remember during that time, looking at him, like, what gives him value? Jesus does. Christ does. It's not that he went and, you know, did this amazing, planted all these churches and all that. You know, God allowed him to be in that position for 20 years. Does he have any less value than I do or than someone who has an amazing, booming ministry somewhere else around the world? So that's not what, that's not where we get our identity and what we do. And I think that was just, we were just so hung up on that because we felt like we needed to perform. Yeah. And for us as, as, God was doing that in our heart. We sensed this reality, this truth about his gospel. We were we were living it out, but we didn't really know how to articulate it. And kind of randomly, we went to a, a marriage conference uh, hosted by a couple different groups mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in, in the region we were working in. And one of the ministries that was there was Barnabas International. And... They, they were just talking about understanding each other and giving each other grace in a relationship uh, of a husband and a wife. But during their, their workshop, they introduced us to the cycle of grace and how it applied to marriages. But for me, that was another aha moment, sort of a watershed moment, because it was like somebody finally put into words... And a picture. And a picture... Which I've I've included in this prayer letter. If you go back to the file, you'll see I, I put a picture of the cycle of grace and the cycle of anti-grace. 
uh, to illustrate it. <laughs> but it was nice because it was like, okay, this is what we've, this is what the Lord's been teaching us. We just haven't been able to, to really put it in into words or make it succinct enough to where people would listen. And so here, if, if you go to that graph or look up the cycle of grace, there was a, a disturbing trend of missionaries leaving the field in India and going back to the UK and never returning to the field. And many of them never, never returned to ministry, period. They were seeing this happen on a regular basis. And so a Swiss theologian named Dr. Emil Brunner and a psychologist named Dr. Frank Lake, they, they did a study as they looked at the life of Christ and considered the hardships he faced and the opposition he faced in his ministry and how he never burned out. And so looking at lives of people who are burning out in ministry and then looking at the life of Christ who face the same things, what's the difference? Mm. And so they, they put together this concept of the cycle of grace. And this is essentially it's the gospel explained. The cycle of grace is this. We are first accepted by God in Jesus Christ. And because we are accepted by him, he is the one who fills us with his Holy Spirit and he sustains us. He gives us the joy, the satisfaction, the peace that our souls have craved. He gives us that sustenance. He also gives us our significance. He makes us his children. He makes us heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, heirs of God. He makes us his ambassadors, and we have the privilege of being able to represent him in this world. And then understanding we're accepted in him, he sustains us and gives us joy, and that he gives us significance and purpose and value in life, that motivates us to serve him, and he is the one who produces fruit. And in the mm -hmm. graph, they call it achievement. They say the cycle of grace goes acceptance, sustenance, significance, and achievement. And basically, it's saying because we're accepted and fulfilled in him, he's the one who produces all the fruit and all the work in our life. We understand that when we talk about the gospel and salvation. Mm -hmm. But then we go backwards when we talk about Christian service. And we do an anti-grace flip. We, we go from a works-based concept. They've also called it the work cycle. Mm -hmm. Instead of starting with acceptance, you start with achievement or works. I've got to dress right. I've got to look right. I've got to talk right. I've got to produce enough fruit. I've got to have enough converts to put in a prayer letter. I've got to have a certain amount of baptisms. I've got to have a certain amount of church groups by a certain time. I've got to have um, I got to have a church that's multiplying. I've got to have visual things. I got to be doing things. I've got to be producing something in order for me to feel significant. And so if I'm working hard enough at being sanctified, then people will start looking at me like, hey, that's a real man of God. Or, hey, she's, she's a real virtuous woman. That's the kind of person you want to be. And then you get put up on this pedestal and you start to feel important. And then you look to that for your sustenance. Like that's going to give you the joy and peace and hope that, you, that you've been longing for. But it's impossible to sustain that. It becomes an addiction. And, and what you're doing ultimately going backwards is not only is that what you're doing to really feel fulfilled, but ultimately it's what you're doing to be accepted by God and by your, by your peers or by your mm -hmm. pastor, by your authorities. It's the anti-gospel. 
And what we do, because we are trying to work hard to maintain this image so that we can have the right to speak into other people's lives, if we struggle with anything, if we struggle with, with depression, or if we struggle with, with failure, or we struggle as parents. Right. Or your we, kids mess up. Or your kids mess up. Exactly. This, this, you, you gotta, you've gotta control your kids That's at the right. expense of their own soul so that you don't look bad so that you have the right to tell people how to raise their kids. So, it creates this weird addiction. So you are either you're either excusing yourself for what you do to justify it, or you're accusing and yourself. And, and what the Bible talks about accusing and excusing. But ultimately, what you're trying to do is hide your sin or hide what's going on. And it all goes to the darkness. You don't want anybody to know about your failures, and and you're going to point out everybody else's faults so that they don't point out your faults. You're being a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. You're trying to work to be accepted by God. It's anti-grace. And so for us, when we saw that, it was revolutionary. Right. It was, oh, that's, that's it. That's exactly what's going on, that we're accepted by God already in Christ. Yeah. Why are we trying to work to be accepted? Why are we trying to work to be significant or have value or be praised by somebody? Right. Why are we working hard to feel fulfillment in our life? All of that comes from him. We're, we're going backwards. And as that changed our life, and as we ministered to other people, not just the locals where we're working, but other people who are preaching the gospel as well, as we just simply focused on the gospel and what the cycle of grace is, we started seeing other Christians' lives change and ministries started to grow and they started to, to see fruit, fruit that we didn't see. And that wasn't that wasn't threatening to us anymore. It used to be right. we, as we, as you're going through the work cycle, it's threatening because you're like, well, how, well, how are they producing more? Now they're a better now they're better at, at ministry than I am. Right. And your your identity is found in your in your production. But going the other way, you realize this is fantastic. The gospel is being preached. The kingdom is growing. Mm-hmm. There are churches being planted. It doesn't have to be me doing it, but the Lord's doing it through other people. And so pouring into them the truth of the gospel and living out the gospel in their life to see the Lord work through that. One, to encourage them and build them up, build them up as Christians, mm-hmm. missionaries and pastors and people in ministry need to be built up in, right. in Christ with the gospel, not pumped up with some sort of motivational speech that right. you can do this, put on your armor and you're going to be able to go out and fight the devil and you're going to, you're going to defeat him because you wake up every single day. Victorious. You're going to be, go from victory to victory. And then we can misquote all kinds of Bible verses and talk <laughs> about how we're going to be the ones who are the overcomers. When in reality, we don't have the strength and daily we have to rely on Christ to, to sustain us right. and say, I am not capable of doing this. You have to do this in me. You're the one who gives me joy. And if I never see any fruit, I'm still going to rejoice in you. And I know that I have significance, not because of what I do or what I produce, but because you've accepted me already in Christ. That changes everything. And as member care coordinators, that's the foundation of everything that we want to do. Mm -hmm. How we serve other missionaries as, as we preach the gospel to them as they're preaching the gospel to those who've never heard. We live by that gospel. And that this would overflow into their ministries and that this, you know, their identity, understanding their identity is going to help them 
in their churches and in their groups that those people will understand their identity as well. And so anyway, that's what's exciting is it's it's like for us, I feel like the best way to describe it is is almost like an investment. This is a, a bigger investment for us to work in this capacity. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're going to talk about giftings, it's as though I was trained to to paint with my left hand. And then one day I realized that God created me to be right-handed and mm-hmm. I can paint the same picture even more effectively if I use my right hand. And it may, like I said before, it, it may seem like an extreme change for some people or confusing to some why we, why we have gone from being on the field church planners to member care coordinators a title that most people don't even know what it means. It's <laughs> real obscure to most people. But it's it's not because we couldn't do the ministry. We did it, and we could continue to do it. I can I can paint with my left hand. Right. But the kingdom is so valuable, and the gospel is so precious that as the Lord has revealed to us where we're gifted and pouring into other people and reminding them of the gospel as they are taking the gospel to the regions beyond, to people who've never heard before, we are making a bigger impact for the kingdom, not because we're producing more or doing a greater work, but because God has created us for this. And he has sustained us through this, allowed us to experience what we experience. He has given us significance without having to see results, Mm. we realize that he's still working. He is bringing about his will. And we get to have a part in that. And it's exciting to be involved in an aspect of the Great Commission that we were made for. And we don't have to see the fruit in order to to have joy or to feel significant. We're already accepted in him. He already sustains us. He already has given us meaning and purpose in life. He's going to be bringing the fruit to his glory because it's not about our glory. Exactly. And that's what this is. So for us, this has been this has been a long journey. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to share that with you to let you know this is how the Lord brought us to this point. To invest in people who are gifted and willing to go to, to, to regions that we can't even get into. Right. To invest in them, not by just motivating them with some with some rhetoric, but to remind them of the gospel, to be there for them when they're hurting and they're struggling and they're and they're dealing with family problems and they're dealing with death and when they're dealing with with issues that the Lord has graciously allowed us to experience while we were on the field in a very difficult area, that we will be able to help and encourage them to continue on to to be more effective where they are, to discover their gifts and their abilities Mm -hmm. and to invest them and not worry about what other people think about them and not worry about other people's definition of success or real ministry, but just be who God created them to be, rest in their identity in Christ and and the fact that they're accepted by God in him and that he's doing this work and he's going to produce the results. That's what we want to do as neighbor care coordinators. We'll, We'll talk more about it. And much briefer in the in the <laughs> in future podcasts, uh, but for now, I've I wanted to share that with you because we haven't had a chance, especially with COVID and all that's going on, we haven't had a chance to to speak to a lot of people directly right. and personally. And so, hopefully, this answered a lot of questions for you. If you have more, please email us. I'm Omar at globalfellowship.org or Gretchen 
at globalfellowship.org. One of these days I'll explain to you how I got the name Omar, but that is not for this podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, feel free to write us and ask us any questions that you have about uh, this ministry that God has given us. And if there's anything that we can do on our end to, to clarify or be an encouragement to you and, and help you walk, uh, walk through the cycle of grace. Anything else to add? No, that's it. Bye. God bless. <laughs>